Welcome to the Christian Life Coach Collective. I'm your host and coach, Lauren Malone, and I'm here to help you become the hero of your own story and learn to be a guide to others. Whether you're a life coach in any niche or you want to become one, or you're just listening in so you can self-coach to lead your own life well, this podcast is here to serve you. I'm super excited to walk with you into your calling and help you create a wonderful legacy for your life. So let's jump in to today's episode. Hey friends, um, today's a fun day. I'm talking about the story behind Sterling and Stone's name, and lots of people have asked me before. And again, more recently, one of the coaches from the Greenhouse course brought it up and asked me, and I thought, you know, it's a great, just a great thing that I can explain on an episode of the podcast to help just cover all the bases. So the meaning of my business name was always very important and it's very old. It's like 10 or 11 years old at this point. So essentially around 2012, 2013, I think when the Lord was first letting me see more in depth about the dream in my heart, I also heard him give me the name Sterling and Stone. Honestly, mentoring came kind of early on because it was something I believed in, but I also hadn't really heard of coaching yet either. So I don't know if I'd heard about coaching and known about it 11 years ago, 12 years ago, maybe I would have named it Sterling and Stone Coaching. But honestly, I think mentoring was really the Lord too. So first I'm going to start with the word Sterling. It comes from Proverbs 25, 11, and it says that the right word spoken at the right time is like apples of gold in settings of sterling silver. And that scripture has been something that's been really important to me for a very long time. And it's got a lot of different translations. A lot of different people have ideas about what it, um, how it's said, but it all comes down to basically a summary of wise words at the right time spoken kindly with love, like ways spoken in a way that benefits the hearer, right? And personally, for my last 25 years of walking with Jesus, the one thing I've asked for more of is wisdom. Like that's what I want to be rich in. So to explain a little bit more about the scripture, the apple in this, apples of gold, is actually the English transition, I'm sorry, translation of um, more like a citrus fruit or a quince fruit, but because apple of gold in Middle Eastern cultures is a citrus fruit, like an orange. And in my research, I've found that some even believe this scripture is referring to the juice of an orange being stored in silver, and then the acid from the juice would oxidize the surface of the sterling silver creating colloidal silver, which is a really amazing healing agent that's used, it's been used for a very long time. And this basically implies that like oranges squeezed into a sterling silver pitcher, they, it, to create necessary medicine is a wise word spoken with kindness at the appropriate time. So my goal has always been to be able to know what needs to be spoken and when, to who, and in a way that they can hear it and receive it, that it would be of the most benefit to the hearer, right? So 
essentially, it was also too hot in the Middle East for apples to thrive. Uh, it does; They do grow in some regions of the Middle East, but apples were much more common in Europe where um, translations were made, right? So <laughs> the English were crea- making translations of the Greek and the Hebrew. Just like Jesus was not a carpenter of wood like the Europeans, the English were, Instead, he was actually a stonemason. Israel did not and does not have an abundance of trees, especially apple trees, nor do they build everything from wood like the English do. So before I give you more meaningful scriptures to me, I want first to share about Jesus the carpenter. If you walk through Israel, you're not going to see houses built out of wood. They're built out of stone. And concrete. And there really aren't that many trees in the country as compared to what we have in America or more Northern Europe. And that's because of the region, but it, it's something that when you don't understand the context of the, the place and the time when you're reading the Bible, you miss a lot. <laughs> and um, in Matthew 13, Jesus was teaching and the crowd said, you know, is this not the carpenter's son? Is it this, is his mother not Mary? Well, the Greek word here for carpenter is tecton, and it's more accurately translated as craftsman or builder, the architect, so to speak. And without taking into account the culture and the landscape, the translation was actually made based on the culture and landscape of the people making the translation in England and Europe. It doesn't necessarily mean that Jesus didn't work with wood at all or didn't have some measure of skilled carpentry, but they say that nine out of 10 projects he would have done with his, you know, adopted kind of stepfather, Joseph, (laughs) they would have been out of chiseled or carved stone that was stacked. It would have been very difficult to make a living as a carpenter working with wood in that region And it still would be that difficult today. This also brings so much understanding to all of the places where the Bible speaks of stones and rocks, you know, Jesus being the the rock and the stone that the builders rejected becoming the cornerstone, which is common language for a stonemason. So think of that. A man who worked with stone, a stonemason, actually becomes the cornerstone spoken about in Acts 4.11 that the rest of us, the living stones, rejected. Yet the cornerstone died to save the living stones. Can you, do you see like the power of understanding the times, the culture, the landscape, the reality of it? And in um, 1 Peter 2, 5, Peter says, you yourself like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices accepted, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He's talking to people in language that they would understand and contextualize as well. And regardless of the fact uh, that his occupation doesn't, you know, whether he was a stonemason or a carpenter in the way that we perceive it, it doesn't really bear that much on his being our savior but it does help us understand more clearly the culture and landscape and meaning when we're reading the word 
and seeing who Jesus actually was in Israel and what he was saying to us. And interestingly enough, his earthly father, Joseph, was a craftsman, and so is his father in heaven. And he's shaping us, the living stones, into a spiritual house of a, a temple for the glory of God, right? He's shaping us. We are living stones. Each one of us, you know, if you consider us being cut out of a quarry as living stones, rough cut, rough hewn, but we're it. Every stone is completely different than the other. You know, you can kind of say that context of us being the living stones, very, very unique, each one of us in the way that the, the, um, the craftsman, the architect, the stonemason is chiseling us out and using us and stacking us to create a temple for the glory of God as the body of Christ, right? That we are the spiritual house. Pretty, just so, so much there to dig into. So I'm going to give you a few more scriptures. Matthew 16, 18. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The rock, right? And Isaiah 28, 16. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am the one who has laid as a foundation in Zion, a stone a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a, of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. Luke 1940, he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And 1 Corinthians 10, 4, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. And I think I already told you, First Peter 2, 5, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And Acts 4, 11, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. Some others that are important are all of the precious stones mentioned in the book of Revelation, the stone that was rolled away to reveal the empty tomb, and in Joshua 4, the 12 stones of remembrance. So most of all, we are all living stones. We're unique and individual. And I just really care about that and speaking to people right where they're at as who they are and how they are made in the image of God to reveal him on earth. Because we're just all rough hewn stones and we're doing our best to build our lives on the foundation of our Lord, the one true rock. So in addition to Sterling and Stone, mentoring came about, again, simply because I believe it in it, but I hadn't heard of coaching back then. And ultimately, it comes from the call on my life to reveal the power and importance of Malachi 4, 5, and 6. And I'm just really desperate in my spirit to see the hearts of people turn to one another in both the natural and the spiritual. It's also about God's promised messenger who would pro- uh, personally confront evil restore his people, and bring ultimate justice. And I believe that Malachi's promise gives us hope that in the most terrible of times, God has provision for our families and will release the Holy Spirit to turn our hearts to each other. I heard someone once say, um, why doesn't this verse talk about the turning of the hearts of mothers? And they said, basically, because you don't have to turn a mother's hearts to her children. 
It's already for them. It's built in. But God plans to turn the father's heart to the children and the children's hearts to the fathers. God is the great reconciler. He has a plan for our families, and there's great hope in that. And Malachi, it's also speaking to the spirit of Elijah, who was a mentor to Elisha. He fathered him and blessed him. And the spirit of adoption is necessary in the coming days. It is supernatural to adopt other people with or without legal papers. We have uh, new friends we've recently met who have this incredible story of adopting a young man into their home and family at the age of 18 because he needed them. And they saw that, they chose him. And I think that's so powerful when you see someone, you know, it's um, pure religion is to take care of the orphans and the widows, you know, go adopt those people. It doesn't matter how old they are. (laughs) It doesn't matter if they ever take your name. It doesn't matter if there's ever a piece of paper or a judge or a courtroom, go adopt them spiritually, take them into your heart. You know, we've personally adopted many people in our home and our family over the years. And I jokingly yet lovingly offer that these people all have the last, like a last name that ends in hyphen Malone. (laughs) And, and I know it's meaningful to them to know that they belong in my family that they can appear and walk through the door any day, anytime. And, you know, just think if somebody came along today and showed interest in you, even if you had a great upbringing and healthy parents you felt loved by, as an adult, do you feel that you have people in your life who encourage you and give you direction and champion you regardless, pray for you, pour into you, and ultimately want you to stand on their shoulders and get a double portion of every good thing they have? I would say 99 out of 100 of you don't have that. I'd probably venture to say 999 of you (laughs) out of 1,000 don't have that. (laughs) You know, feeling like you have a parent to turn to, somebody who is a mentor, who's been there, who's had experience and can help guide you. And we often, we just don't feel like we have anybody to give us guidance and be our cheerleader when we get older. And it's at the same time that we're pouring ourselves out into our children and spouses and jobs and callings and church and everybody around us. So we're pouring ourselves out and finding ourselves emptier and emptier because we don't have anybody pouring into us. I say, yes, go to Jesus and get filled up. But I also believe that we, the living stones, are meant to support and undergird one another. Thus, I believe in mentorship. I believe in peer mentoring, elder mentoring, experience mentoring, like every form of it. In the long run, my vision for Sterling and Stone mentoring for the past 12 years has always been to have roundtable conferences for women, maybe mixed company sometimes, but (laughs) that's down the road because my heart really is for women. And I, I trust God that there's going to always be men he's raising up that are called to reach, you know, tend to men. And I would say like just women, all women from all walks everywhere will be invited to these conferences. And then my Sterling and Stone coaches will be there as the mentors at the table to serve the women who are in need of that double portion, who need some attention, who need strategies and directions. And I'm, I want to teach my coaches how to offer that to people. 
I imagine the conferences to be focused on different topics, like a, a whole conference on discovering your callings and your passions, um, worship and prayer, marriage and children, creativity and possibility. Like I just, I have an outline for every one of them <laughs> and plus more. <laughs> so I guess um, that's about it. I've covered all the aspects of the name, but I will end this with an encouragement that you yourself seek God in naming everything that you create. God named each one of our children, our ministry, and my business. He named my life coach training course, The Greenhouse. Like he's the one that has given me the names and I've shown up to partner with him in that, right? Um, Other things that I offer as well, like he has been, he's the CEO of my business. So when I have something to, that I'm creating, I pray and I just, I walk it out, build it with Holy Spirit. And I ask the Lord to tell me, what does he want to call it? Yes, there's a measure of understanding SEO and marketing and my ideal client's language so that they can search for things that they want answers to and find my answer, right? There is an aspect of that. But when the Lord says, I'll take care of all that, name it this, that's first. That's first and foremost. Don't worry about SEO. He is the um, ultimate marketer. And if he says, call it the greenhouse, then that's the only option. It's going to get called the greenhouse, no matter how wonderful it shows up for somebody who's a gardener and doesn't show up for me who's a life coach. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, when we talk about having a strong why behind all that you do, it looks like this. My why is because God said so. <laughs> why is my business called Sterling and Stone Mentoring? Because God said so. If you Google Sterling and Stone, you're going to find jewelry stores and you're going to find uh, people who make really beautiful pens. Lovely. All of these things. But God said Sterling and Stone Mentoring. So again, you're not going to go looking for Sterling and Stone unless you've actually heard of me and heard me talk about it. But there is no stronger why than because God said so. And that is my driver and my motivation and my hope. And it's why I believe so firmly in my ministry that is actually set up legally as a for-profit business. Ministry doesn't mean nonprofit. Ministry means serving the Lord and the kingdom, bringing the kingdom to heaven. Whether there's a profit in your legal entity or a nonprofit as your legal entity, it doesn't matter. Ministry is how you serve the Lord and the world around you. So did you know that you can actually be in business or work for a business and or own a business and it's still ministry if you're serving the Lord? You can make money in the kingdom and for the kingdom to be able to build the kingdom. So if you're stuck in that place thinking, how do I use what I'm called to do and make money out of it? That's a mindset hurdle that you've been taught incorrectly about. And if you're afraid of wanting or loving money, well, money isn't the evil, right? It's the love of money. And you can be lacking money and still be loving it, which actually pulls you down and oppresses you because now you're lacking money. You can't meet anything. And you're so obsessed with the fact that you lack it, that you actually love and fear the money. 
And this is the very thing you thought you didn't want. You thought having money would lead you there, but not having money can lead you there too. It's a heart issue. It's not only people who have money that can love it. It's everybody. So I guess I said I'd wrap it up, but then I went on to preach a little bit, right? Uh, Sorry. So I'm going to sign off here, but I want you to remember God has a very strong why for you to hold on to. He has a name for you. He has, um, he cares and knows what's in your heart. He's fitting you together with other living stones that are going to help bring to pass his will and manifest heaven on earth the way you're designed to do it. And what you're called to has purpose and reason and hope in it. What you have to say in this for such a time as this, it has joy and glory and significance. And I implore you to believe that what you see others doing, what you see me doing, it is fully, incredibly, and surely possible for you as well. All right. Bless friends. Until next time. Hey, thanks for listening. And I would love it if you could leave me a review wherever you listen to this podcast and tell me what you're loving about it. It helps other people who are looking for transformation and change and growth in their lives find me. And if you want to learn about becoming a coach with any of your superpowers, head over to sterlingandstonementoring.com and check out the greenhouse course. See you there.